Hello to everyone tuning in. Most of you are familiar with Celtics life, but if not, here's a quick rundown. We're a Boston Celtics fan site that covers everything Celtics, from the latest trade rumor to that other trade rumor, the Nets pick, and how exactly Danny Ainge got his free Chipotle for life card, and honestly, no one actually knows. The pod covers all of the same topics our site does, but a little more freely and from a weekly point of view. The best part of it all is that we're talking about it from a fan's perspective. We'll cover last week's games and major stories, as well as a look into the week ahead. We'll change things up as the show evolves. Let us know if there's something you want to hear if something comes to mind. I'm here with Mark Allison. Let's start off with kind of a look into last week's games. What do you think about the Charlotte game, Mark? Uh, well, the Charlotte game, um, that was, um, I mean, geez, it seems like that was a million years ago, but it was only Monday, <laughs> right? It was, uh, you know, when we were actually winning games still. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, um, well, so Avery came back for one night only, and uh they, they look good. I mean, we were at full strength that night, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it, it seems like all the pieces were together. It seemed like finally, like, you know, it was a convincing win. ITU, this typical fourth quarter. Uh, seemed like everything was kind of set. And then, you know, I mean, they, they Charlotte put together a good game. Kemba came out, did his typical stuff, 24 points. Out of nowhere, Mo Williams put up 21, which is not something you expect from, right, right. from the old guy. Um, but, you know, I mean, all, overall, I think it was a pretty good game for the seats. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's how he got his uh, uh, all-star vote from Tony Allen there, Mo Williams, <laughs> with the 21-point game. But, um, yeah, no, no, it, it was it was definitely, it, you know, to see the full effort like that. And Charlotte, Charlotte's a pretty good team, you know. Um, so, it's you know, it was uh, – I mean, solid. That was, um, I, that was I think, Olenek's second straight good game, right? Didn't he have 21 or something uh, the game yeah. before that? And then, yeah, yeah, you know, he, I think game. he had like 15 and 8 in that game or something. 15 and – what did he – how many rebounds did he have? But I mean, to the, that's like like ideally what you would like to get from him, you know, some rebounding and and you know, fifteen points. I mean, I, that's that's solid, solid yeah, from what, him. What you look from your seven footer who can stretch the floor, you know, the fact that I mean, he only, he was two of two from outside. You know, the fact that he's been stretching the floor and he had been insane against the Hawks the week before. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's coming onto this momentum, and then you go up against New York and uh, Bradley's sidelined again. And, yeah, the late scratch. Yeah, and uh, you know Kelly wasn't there. Four points, uh, missed his one three that he attempted. Shot like thirty three percent from the floor, and the rest of the team as a whole, for the first time in forever, I think Isaiah was mortal in the fourth quarter. It seemed like. Yeah. Thoughts on the next game? Yeah, I mean, so so he still, I mean, Isaiah still had a solid game. I think he said he had thirty five, right? Shot fifty six percent, but. Like just completely, it, it, it was like he totally got you know. I mean, he took nine shots in the fourth, right? He was two for nine in the fourth. I mean, like it's yeah, like it's- we we've come to expect him to to bail us out every single time. Like to to always, it's like natural that he's gonna drop. You know, he'll have ten, fifteen in the fourth, whatever, no big deal. And uh, when he can't deliver, it's I think it really hurts when Bradley's not around because who, who you know somebody else has to step up and score some points, you know. Yeah, and that's something I definitely want to talk about uh, is how much Avery Bradley matters uh, in the scheme of this. Because back when he first was out with his sore Achilles, Marcus Smart stepped up that one game. I don't remember even who it was against, but he came mm-hmm. through with you know, an insane first half. And uh, seemingly against the Knicks, the only other player who was putting up points was Jay Crowder. Right. Jalen Brown had a good fourth quarter. He did, he had, and he had a right, and he had a good just game in general. Like that, yeah, that he, was a you know. 
he was working his way to the line. He was, you know, he's finding ways to to kind of exploit the defense in the fourth, mm-hmm. especially. So that was that was good to see from Jalen. But there just wasn't enough offense generated by the team in the fourth quarter. And you know, I mean, they were outscored in the fourth uh, by six points. You know, after coming into a decent third quarter. So it, it was just, you know, I mean, how much does Bradley matter? To winning games we had that streak where he was out with his achilles and we were able to win most of the games we played the only loss i think came against toronto mm-hmm. but you know i mean saturday night against the blazers you know lillard and mccollum they're a really good backcourt how much yes. does avery bradley's on ball defense matter to this celtics team winning games right and, and this goes back too to that toronto game that he missed the week before um, that huge game we went into and you know it's it, when you're missing him and demar DeRozan goes off for 40 something you know, 28 in the second half. I mean, that's a different, you know, it, not only is he, he's first team all defense. He's probably the best all on ball defender in the league. One of them at least. And, you know, so that, that he's always had, he's always been that, you know, an impact on that side of the ball. And you, so you miss his defense, but now that he's scoring like 17 a game too, and rebounding on a team that he's, he's that team that's atrocious at rebounding. I mean, his, he, he's the leading rebounder on the team, which is ridiculous. You know, yeah, and so it's, I mean, like looking at just the box scores, you got mostly in the Knicks and the uh, and the Trailblazers games, it was guards who went off. Derrick Rose who mm-hmm. put up thirty points right. uh, on was it? Yeah, he, he looked like it was two thousand eleven. Yeah, exactly. he jumped <laughs> yeah. in the time machine. Yeah, and then you got uh, C.J. McCollum and and uh, Damian Lillard who who lit it up yesterday. They combined yep. for sixty three points on Saturday right. night, mm-hmm. and so you know, I mean. I spent, and then looking back at that Toronto game, DeRozan, most of the points that he scored were when he switched on to Isaiah. Yep. And it's just like that's the glaring hole mm-hmm. in the Celtics' defense that when Bradley's missing, you can't switch him on to you know, the leading scorer. And when, especially against a team like Portland, where there are two guards who can score from anywhere on the court, it, it just makes it impossible for Isaiah to, to keep up with that, I feel. Right, right. Yeah. So when, and then there's a lot of those teams with those two guards like that. And that's why it's so great that we have two guys that can defend them normally. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Smart, I mean, he steps up for sure. And he's, he's oh, yeah. a great defender. So that, I mean, did you watch the game on Saturday against, against the Trailblazers? Yes, I did. That, that final <laughs> play that Marcus Smart, like almost, it, it looked like a steal to me. Where you know, mm-hmm. Oh, d- dude, that was, I mean, that was, that would have been epic. That, that is a total Marcus Smart play, too. And uh, it was, oh, God. Under the basket, Lillard gets the rebound. They're down by one, right? The Celtics are down by one. Yeah, yep. Lillard gets the rebound, and then Marcus just goes, wraps him, and swings his hand, knocks the ball out, and then puts it up for the layup. Whistle's blown, like, after the shot. Yeah. And, I- uh, I I just was I almost was, jumped through the roof because I thought <laughs> I th- I thought it was an and one off the steal and yeah. uh, man that was but what and what about Rogier yesterday that huge yep. huge first of all for Brad to even call that play for Rogier you know you're you're, you're thinking obviously they're trying to bottle up Isaiah so he was going to be you know they were going to be all over him and the the way that they executed that I mean the the way they they. Um, Horford set that screen there at the top and then he I mean he was wide open yeah. but the ball's on Brad to call that play for him and I mean for him to hit it too but that was yeah, that I was mean, that was it's it's really a shame that they lost that game after that that place exploded yeah I mean it was that was an incredible shot not something you expect from Rogier. I mean he's not a guy that you think to step up for big shots but I mean right. especially from three I mean I I don't 
think of Rozier as like a, a sharpshooter by any by any means. No, no. I mean, he can hit them, but it, but right. I think he shoots like thirty three percent or something from three this year. Yeah, and he's got like a small set. Like he doesn't take a lot of shots. But so right. I, mean, I I was so I, I flipped out when he hit that shot. I was, I was so excited. I was worried because there was still like eight seconds. Right. Left. I, I was worried that that's how they were gonna. They, you know, they're gonna come back and score on the other end, and it's gonna be ah man, that was that's too bad. But they got into overtime and then just couldn't pull it out. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of. It's the second overtime game the Celtics have played. Now they're one and one in overtime. Mm-hmm. I think that these two games gives the Celtics their first two game losing streak since December fourteenth. Yeah, that's wild. So I mean, it, I think we've been taking for granted just how well this team has been playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the fact that you know we we are probably gonna have something up on the site about this of just the Celtics uh, haven't really lost to a bad team since November. Right and, uh, now, they they fall two teams who are below five. Although, although I would I would say that Portland is probably better than their record suggests. Yes, right. absolutely, and and but I mean, I've said it four times now. Just C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are probably one of the best backcourts in the league. Yes, absolutely. So I mean that. I, yeah, I, I agree. Their their record definitely doesn't indicate how good of a team they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, nonetheless, record wise, and that's something that always gets kind of especially near the end of the season when you're kind of looking at teams that are making the playoffs and they look and say like, well, this team, a lot of their losses came to teams that were below 500. And right. So like, we don't have a lot of those. Um, but, you know, now we add two to our resume. Yeah. I mean, what, was, what was Portland's record coming into this game? I want to say 18 and 25 or something. 18 and 27, I think. And now Is that what it was? Yeah, something, yeah, something along those lines. And Evan Turner's return to the Garden. Yeah, right. Did they play a video of tribute for him <laughs> for his one magical season? I miss Evan Turner so much. Uh, he was he was awesome. I, I knew it was going to be a big loss, but I totally understand why they didn't want to pay him that money. Yeah, I mean that, sure. that was there was no definitely definitely good choice. Well, so let's uh, move on to kind of the big news of the week. Probably the biggest news Thursday night. Uh, All star starters are announced. And uh, well, let's let's kind of walk through the all two start. We got uh, on the East. You got Demar Derozan, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, any names missing from that list for you? Yeah, there's uh, there's one missing for sure. Um, the, the the little guy there. <laughs> yeah. What were your thoughts on? Uh, ah man. On his I, I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's. This is this is this is exactly why they took away the fan voting from being the entire. Um, makeup of of the stars because if if it was by fan voting, Dwayne Wade would have been yeah. starting shooting guard, which yep. is absolutely ridiculous. Yep, you know, and he's playing okay, but I mean, it's I, Charles Barkley said said it right. I was watching the TNT show, and he said, "This is not a lifetime achievement award." You know, it's <laughs> when they were they were giving him a hard time, saying the the fans can pick what they want, but the fans don't pick the right people you know yeah it's it's like a popularity contest yeah you know, i don't know why Dwayne wade is still like leading the league in popularity. right I, right exactly <laughs> but you know so but i so yeah they changed the voting so now it's uh fan vote media and mm-hmm. player right and uh so the media says that isaiah they they voted him as the most he's number one in media mm-hmm. um player votes he was second but it came down to a tiebreaker with DeRozan because DeRozan had like he was third as opposed to Isaiah's fourth. In the and they, they gave the fan vote was the tiebreaker, right? Yes, exactly. So the, yeah, so. I, I wrote a piece on this this week, and so basically the way they break it down is the fan vote counts for fifty percent, and then mm-hmm. the other two each count for a quarter. So the way that they break it down is they 
Um, they add up the numbers. So Isaiah came in, uh, was fourth in the fan vote. So you add four and four. You add four two times. And then he came in first in the media vote. So you add one and then second in the other one. So you add one, two, four, and four. Mm-hmm. And then you divide by four. Yep. So it comes out to 2.75, I think it was, or something like that. And and DeRozan's numbers came out to the same thing, but but he you know he came a, uh, ahead of him because of the the fan vote with the tiebreaker. Yeah, did Kyrie get first in player votes? He got first in the player votes. Yep, it was okay. so it was Kyrie, and then um, and then it. But and it's funny too because we had talked about um, the people were pushing oh oh vote for DeRozan because it because because if he gets ahead of Wade, it's better for. Um, Isaiah, which is was totally not the case. It would have it, they wouldn't even have been tied if if DeRozan had finished ahead of Wade. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, what what are you going to do? It's it's not it's not, certainly I I would think even worse than him getting snubbed was um, uh, Westbrook. Russ Westbrook. I mean, he's averaging a triple double. Jesus. Yeah. and Lord. I mean the league players, media, they were freaking out about that. I mean, like yeah, he, absolutely. If, if that's not right warranted to be an all-star starter i, I don't understand what exactly is. i mean he's just he's playing probably the best i think he's absolutely runaway mvp oh, got yeah. James Harden right behind him yeah i mean that's Harden, definitely a debate but. right but if, if he's especially if he's actually averaging a triple double come the end of the year if he's not the mvp then there's something wrong i mean <laughs> if he wasn't on that team they would be nowhere nowhere at all i mean my friends and i were talking uh what would happen if James Harden was still with the Thunder? Could you imagine that? If because do you think KD would have left if James Harden was still? Yeah, there? I, 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 now would they have been able to manage that? I don't know. Like, would, they, they must have been a way they could have finagled that, right? Especially with um, those guys all being their guys. Like, don't they have bird rights or something? They like they could have gone over the cap with three massive contracts there. They could have figured it out. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, I'm not a cap expert, but I'm no, sure. No, me neither. But I mean, that, that, oh God, how did they let that happen? Like they, they got, what did they get? Jeremy Lamb for um, James yep. Harden? <laughs> oh my God. Not that, I mean, I like Jeremy Lamb when he no, played. No, he's a good player, but he's a solid role player. But you know, when you oh look at, my when you God. Look at the they traded an MVP trade. candidate for yeah, him. Exactly. You know? So like, it's something I always forget. But yeah, so that was like, I mean, there's a trade. Uh, also kind of in news this week was, uh, just all the stuff going on with Carmelo Anthony and trade yeah. rumors and stuff. What a mess. It's just like, I, I don't even know. I saw a really interesting trade rumor on like Instagram, I think, where it was a three-way trade between the Clippers, or sorry, the Lakers, the Cavs, and the Knicks. And mm-hmm. uh, kind of bear with me. The Lakers would get Tristan Thompson, Iman Shumpert, and Derek Rose. Mm-hmm. Cavs get Carmelo Anthony straight up. And then the Knicks get... Jordan Clarkson, Luol Deng, Lewis Williams, and DeAndre Wiggins. Yeah, wow. And that worked out like money wise, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, and that that seems like the most realistic trade rumor that I've heard of all of them. And it meets what he says he wants to do in terms of like what he'll waive his no trade clause for. Mm-hmm. What what are kind of your thoughts on on just like the rumors that you've heard, even that yeah. one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's I, those those big deals like that. It just seems it, it just seems I don't I just can't see why anyone would want to give up anything of substantial value for Carmelo Anthony at this point. I mean, I I, I, I get like I I I just don't. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's he's on the he's in New York, right? They they've they've he's been there for how long? How many years has he been there now? 
uh, seven? He's been there for a while. Yeah. Maybe and, I'm and wrong, but I, I don't remember what. I, yeah, it's been, it's been definitely time. something like that anyways. It's close. But um, I, I just can't see, like, they were talking about him to Boston this week, and, and I can't see us departing with anything of substantial value to get him. I, I guess it works out. Um, there's numbers-wise if we threw Amir and Jarebko, or we have enough expiring contracts to make it happen. But what, what would the Celtics give up for him? Uh, you know, uh, maybe a first-round pick is like not not a obviously not a Brooklyn pick, but a first-round pick. And would that even would would they just dump him for that? Well, that's the thing is, I what would Bill Jackson want to get in return for Carmelo Anthony? And so, mm-hmm. like, would he be demanding the Nets pick? I don't think Danny Ainge would be willing to no. shell it out for Kamala. But would that be what the price would be? And then would that take the Celtics out of the market? Are the Celtics even in the market, in the running for Carmelo Anthony right now? Yeah, it's like, see, it's interesting. I guess if, if Danny doesn't see him taking a um, – picking up anyone, like it, are, are we going to be in the Gordon Hayward conversation in the summertime? You know, if, if he doesn't see that there's anybody to take, Next year, I think Carmelo's deal expires next year, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what's he's gonna? And I think I, I saw that he was gonna be like a twenty-eight million dollar cap hit if he gets traded because he has a kicker in his uh, contract. So he would go. I mean, he he'd take a big chunk out of the, the cap, but we could definitely fit him. But I I don't know. Some people say he would be a good fit in Brad's system, but I don't know. I don't see it. Do you? Well, I think I mean I. As a Celtics fan, obviously, I think Brad Stevens is the best coach of all time. You know, just like, of, of all time. Well, that's, that's exaggerated. I, just, I love yeah, Brad no, no. Stevens. No, I, I think that he yeah. does. I think he does a phenomenal job of maximizing every player's talent. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, guys, I remember back before we landed Al Horford. You know, we had commenters on Celtics Life. We had you know people on Twitter saying that they don't know if Brad Stevens can coach a star. Um, and they pointed to Rajon Rondo as, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think Al Horford is playing really well, and especially not statistically. I mean, it comes down to, like, PER, where he's actually doing exceptionally well, and he's having one of the best seasons of his career. Right. But it's not, it's not, you know, you don't see that in uh, in stats itself. It doesn't, it doesn't quantify itself in rebounds and points per game and whatever else. Um, but, you know, I mean, is a guy like Carmelo Anthony – someone that Brad Stevens can coach? Will he get him to, to play defense uh, at, a, at a high level? Will he get him to, to score or at least distribute at a high level? Is that something that we're looking for? Can Isaiah and, and Carmelo you know, mesh on the court? Um, would we have to give up Isaiah to get Carmelo? Is that something worthwhile? It's, it, there's just a lot of questions um, that it's really tough to say. And there was a really good piece on 538 about whether a team can win with Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were saying that, you know, it takes a really good fit. Um, because, you know, people point to, like, the Olympics and the fact that he's got three gold medals. But, you know, he's playing with, like, right. dream teams. He's playing with, with insane yeah, groups. Right, right. Like, that's, that's not fair to compare. Like, that, that's just not anything you can point to and be like, well, he can win. It's like, well, he can win when he's got an entire team of all-stars. Yeah, maybe if you put him on the Warriors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe just trade, trade. I don't even know who you trade. Uh, Andre Iguodala for <laughs> yeah. Anthony straight up. Um, I could see that Warriors team wouldn't surprise me. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, it's it's um, I I don't like the idea of trading for Anthony, and I'm a Syracuse guy, but I don't like yeah. the idea of trading for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just I 
I wouldn't be totally opposed to it if we weren't giving up anything of substantial value, like, uh, like, you know, a first round pick and maybe a young player, but not like you're not Jalen Brown or or any of the, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know. I I, I would say I I probably, you know, it, the only reason I would be interested in it is because his contract's up next year anyways, and if it didn't work out, you know, as long as we didn't give up anything of substantial value, you know, whatever. But um, I, I just, I, I don't think it, it would be worth anything of, you know, value. I think that the, uh, the Knicks would be looking for kind of a win now. So they'd want to get mm-hmm. like a pick this year. Right. Assume in the 2017 draft. Um, or 2018. Yeah, 2017 draft. Um, Celtics don't have their own first round. Right. They've got the swap with mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Um, so I feel like that would be tough. Do We have two first-round picks this year, though, because we have... I, I don't I, We have the uh, Grizzlies pick or the Clippers pick, right? Mm-hmm. This year and next. I, I forget the order, but... Yeah, uh, and neither are particularly appealing. Cause they're both, no, because they're both going to be in the 20s, right? Yeah, they're both out of the lottery. Or out of the lottery, anyways. Yeah, so I would say... Even it, unless you make like a really good package, mm-hmm. like maybe your Rebco and then like, I don't know, Demetrius Jackson or something. And then yeah. something along those lines, like one of, one of our young players and then a first round and then Drebko, probably. Yeah. I feel like that would be... And Amir would have to be in there for um, money reasons too. Yeah. So like, I feel like at the very least, that would be like the best that the Celtics could do. Mm-hmm. That seems like the least damaging, you know? Right. Um, and I wouldn't mind that deal. I mean, I really like... Yeah, some, something like that is is fine. And, you know, it's... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have an... I, I like Jackson, too, but, I mean, I, the fact that he's probably not going to see the floor anyways, just based on all the other guys that we have coming. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, where... I mean, I, I don't think that Phil Jackson would buy that deal necessarily, but if he were really desperate to get something in return... Uh, or if the Brooklyn pick was involved in that, um, then I think he would buy into it. But I, I just don't see a, a realistic way that we can find a deal that would not just crush what we have going on right now. Right. So. Yeah. No, any other I, I agree. No, I mean, um, I, I, I think we, uh, we can hand it off to the other guys. All right. Well, yeah, we'll ship it over to uh, Luis and Justin. Thanks, Mark and Topher. Uh, we're going to get right into this. We're going to get into a topic that may either make people really upset or make them super happy. The NBA is getting rid of sleeve jerseys. Now, when I think of these sleeve jerseys, the first thing that comes to mind is that time that LeBron James was seen ripping apart the sleeve um, during a game. And I think that there have been two camps in the NBA, it's, uh, players that really like them and players that absolutely hate them. They think that it interferes with their shooting motion, whatever, whatever. I like the, the uh, sleeves. Obviously, I'm not an NBA player, so I'm speaking on purely aesthetic terms. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? I think they're pretty cool. Well, Personally, I think they are hideous, and I'm quite happy to see them go. Um, you know, I'm also obviously not an NBA player, but, I mean, I don't like shooting a basketball wearing constricting clothing in general, so I either like baggy baggy T-shirts or just, like, 
like a an A shirt. And I think they look like underoos. I really think they look like pajamas, man. I don't, I don't like them. No <laughs> love lost. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sad to see them go. Um, I will say I, I did like the the Celtics gray sleeved uniforms or jerseys. Oh, um, the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> no, nah, I, 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 I have to disagree, but. I will say there's some besides the Celtics, there are a few other really, really nice jerseys that Oklahoma City comes to mind. Um, don't, don't kill me when I say this, but I think Cleveland's jerseys are pretty cool. The color scheme is really nice. Um just, just, just because it's the color, not the team, right? It's yeah, it's the color, not the team. I'm not jumping you on the to get that out there so we didn't piss anybody off. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not I'm not jumping on the Cavs bandwagon just yeah. yet. Um you know, they're pretty awful, but the Nets jerseys don't look half bad. I like um, the Nets. I mean, as far as they go, I think the those and the Bulls um, are, are kind of ugly, but, I mean, I, I can live with them. I think the Spurs are pretty ugly also, um, especially the camo version. Yeah, I'm not a fan of camo anything. <laughs> um it reminds me totally uh, different sport, but it reminds me of the San Diego Padres when they wear their um, their camo baseball jerseys. I think they're pretty hideous. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I I'm sad to see them go. But hey, if the players are going to be happier and maybe shoot better, I guess, then I guess it works for everybody. I mean. Like I said, it's no love lost for me. The only ones I actually say that I like um, those sleeve jerseys for is the, the New Orleans All-Star jerseys. I thought those were actually kind of cool looking. Yeah. Like somebody actually did some graphic design with the, the shape of the shirt in mind. Yeah. Rather than kind of just like a decal slapped on the front of a t-shirt, which is, you know, why I think they look like underoos. <laughs> Especially the Knicks. I don't think any – I mean – yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I had a, a T-shirt that looked like that when I was maybe four that I wore to bed all the time. Um, <laughs> all I'm right, a well, really big fan. Yeah. <laughs> of the Knicks or the shirts. Oh, yeah. You remember the, the Chicago green sleeve jerseys for St. Patrick's Day? Yes, I do remember. I, I'm upset that I do, but I, I do remember those. Uh No. That was pretty weird, man. It was kind yeah. of like a compliment, sort of, but also not. No, it no, absolutely not, absolutely not. I uh, no, hated them. I think they were hideous. Well, <laughs> they're gone. Yeah, we don't have to worry about them anymore. Well, speaking of changes, since you know the NBA is changing up a little bit, no more sleeve jerseys. Uh, there have been rumors of this. Uh, expansion um, likely to come to the NBA sometime soon. Um, reported candidates for expansion are Seattle, which is pretty yeah. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, pretty ironic. Uh, St. Louis, Vegas, and Mexico City. Yep. Um, personally, I would love for basketball to come back to Seattle. I think that the Supersonics got hosed um, it was totally unfair what happened to that city. Um, St. Louis, eh, Vegas, I'm I'm not a fan of the whole 
sports coming to Vegas thing. I mean, we see the NHL um, doing it. I think that there's a lot of conflict there. But well, you know, Silver is officially on record for being supportive of cautiously incorporating um, sports betting into the NBA landscape. Um, I think the the logic is that if we have a, a right way to do it, it'll kind of discourage it from ballooning out of control and becoming a serious problem or more of a problem than it already is. So, I mean, I, I could see the logic of, of, you know, Vegas being an extension of that, but both St. Louis and Vegas, in, in my understanding, are, are kind of fringy candidates, and Seattle and Mexico City are the two main candidates, and the reasoning for that for, for Seattle is probably pretty obvious, but in terms of Mexico, I mean, just the city alone has 20-plus million people in the immediate city and over 30 35 million in, in close proximity as well as i mean all of mexico which has 90 million people in it that's that's a really big untapped market where where they're kind of following on you know the spurs and the suns and to a lesser extent like the clippers and mavs and, and teams like that that are near the border but i mean in terms of both both recruiting and developing new talent um possibly opening up um i've heard rumors of a monterey d league team which would make sense also to help stir up um new markets basically i mean there's a lot of good arguments around the talent that is already spread kind of thin with 30 teams and i, I get where those people are coming from but there there also is the issue that the rest of the world is really getting into basketball and Part of the reason why the talent is spread thin is not just because there's 30 teams, but there's a lot more than 30 teams over in Europe and China and increasingly Australia and other places. So it's probably a wise idea to take a balanced approach and try to cautiously expand into new markets. Yeah. Well, since you have to expand with two teams, I, don't, I can't imagine a league with 31 teams. That would be pretty odd. If you had to pick two of these reported cities – which which two would they be? I I go with Seattle and Mexico City. I actually have to agree with you there because I'm I'm pretty biased. Um, <laughs> I, I like Seattle as a city. Um, I've never spent too much time there. I've been there for some conferences in my academic life, um, but I have a lot of friends that live up there, and I really I really think they got a raw deal losing their team like that. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am our, our Mexico City um, writer, I guess you could call me. Correspondent. Yeah, correspondent is kind of an <laughs> improper term considering that we have, if we're lucky, one game in Mexico City. Yeah. Um, I, came, I came down here um, with grad school research, and I've been staying here ever since. So clearly, I like the place. Um, it's, it's a very cosmopolitan city. Um, people are worried about violence, and I, I won't lie, there is probably some degree of danger for potential um, people coming here just because of the amount of money that they're coming and the fact that kidnappings are not unheard of. But uh, that's also something that isn't necessarily out of the question anywhere in the world. And in terms of just like raw numbers of the danger of the city, which is main, the, the main argument I hear besides the smog, um, it's actually much less violent than New Orleans, which has its own NBA team. Um, and the smog, the smog is another good argument. Um, it is pretty gross here at, at times on some days, but most of the year it's, it's pretty tolerable. It's definitely a livable city. Yeah. 
I agree with you on the Seattle sentiment. I also would be curious to see if Ray Allen came out of retirement <laughs> to go to go play for Seattle. That would be pretty cool. Um, I don't think they can. I think my understanding of the rules, and it could be changed because it's it's not like uh, it's not written into the CBA specifically. At least it hasn't in the past been written into the CBA exactly how the rules are going to go. But for at least the last three drafts. Um, and this is important because we have two two Seattle area natives on our roster um, who will be coming coming off their current contracts in the year that would be the earliest possible year, 2018-19, that we could have an expansion um, situation, that being, you know, Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas, for those of you who aren't aware of where they're from. And my understanding is, at least in the last three, they have not they have not taken any players in free agency. And what ends up happening is they do what's called an expansion draft where you can protect up to eight players. That's a, that's a good point that you bring up because if this expansion does happen, the Celtics need to protect eight players from being a part of this expansion draft. Now that's kind of tough because you want to keep everybody, but you can't. You have younger players that you want to see develop, but you may have to let them go in favor of a veteran, so on and so forth. Now, if I had to pick eight players that were untouchable during an expansion, I would have to say, let's see, Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Jordan Mickey, that's four right there, Mm -hmm. um, Al Horford. Jay Crowder, four, five, six. Jalen Brown, seven. <sighs> this is this is the tough one. Um, Avery Bradley. I'm I'm. It, it's tough. I I would go with Avery Bradley. Yeah. I don't disagree with most of those. Um. But a lot, I think, depends on the assumptions of what it is you're trying to do and, and your window of contention. Yeah. As well as as well as some other things that maybe you didn't consider, maybe you did. Um, so the way that I'm looking at this is the expansion draft. I'm going to guess it's not going to happen in 2018-19, which is important. Um, I think it's a little too soon. It's possible. But I'm going to assume it's going to take one more year after that. So I think it's going to be the 2019-2020 season that this would happen. Yeah. So I think that in this case, um, players – like I'm going to go ahead and limb and make some assumptions about who resigns and why. Um, my assumption is going to be that we that we don't get the, the, the very tippity-top tier free agents, Right. Okay. Um, this summer, because there's 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 some good ones out there, but I mean, unless you get, you know, either of the two Clippers who are going to be free agents, um, Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, um, Durant or Curry, um, I'm not really sure that the rest of the guys are are worth you know chaining yourself to, um, trying to to win now. Um, and I, I don't really see Durant and Curry going anywhere unless they lose, you know, unexpectedly, like before the, at least the finals. It could happen. I'm not saying it's not possible. But the way that I'm looking at it is that if that happens, then what we're going to end up doing almost certainly is either the trades, which is impossible to predict, especially this far out for that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So in this case, I'm just going to assume that we're going to try to develop from the draft. So in this case, Brooklyn 17 and Brooklyn 18 are going to be two key pieces. So those are going to be two of the key players, wherever they are, assuming they're not washouts, you know, busts, whatever you want to call them. So those two are my players. Um, I'm going to assume that we convince uh, Kelly Olenek to to stay around, um, kind of like Serge Ibaka, uh, Amir Johnson, kind of money for around 12-ish million dollars. Um, just because he loves to play with us and, um, he's kind of sucking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No offense, Kelly, if you're listening to this, step it up and make me eat my words. Um, so I'm going to pretend that we, we keep him as well as the two Brooklyn picks, um, Jalen Brown, because, you know, he's the youth movement. Um, I don't have a good feeling about Rosier. I think he's going to be, you know, kind of an expendable, if better than he's, is now player. Um, so I'm just going to leave him out. Um, and then it's going to be all starters, all the same people that you mentioned, minus Al Horford plus Marcus Smart. I leave out Al Horford because by that time he's in the back end of his contract. And if there is value to it, then he's just as likely to get poached. Um, and that might be doing us a favor in terms of, of if we haven't moved him through a trade, that actually might not be bad. I am not one of the people who thinks he's going to have a huge fall off, but I do think that it's going to be valuable to be in a position where an expansion team would be perfectly happy to take on his contract where we might not get the kind of value we would want in a trade. Now, I know we wouldn't be getting anything for him, but, I mean, this would be a decision where we've already tried to move him and we're not in a situation where we can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it hurts me what you what you said about Terry Rozier. I I'm a I'm a big believer in in him. I really am. I love the way he plays when he does play. You know, he's been kind of shorted minutes lately. Um, but I, I love his aggressiveness. Um, you know, he can work on his shooting. He needs um, some rubbing. He's not going to get it with this team. No, yeah, that's that's the problem. But I I I love the way he plays. I really do. So, you know, just to let you know, you hurt my feelings there, but it's all right. I'm so sorry. It's all right. Terry Rozier still has some time. Hopefully, maybe he'll show up in the playoffs again. The thing I like better than being proven wrong. Yeah, maybe he'll show up again. That that would be pretty cool. But this, this is what makes this so difficult. You have to, I mean, for our purposes, you know, we're doing this sort of just for fun, but you have to look ahead. Like, uh, for for a minute there, you, you made a good point. Like, Al Horford is obviously going to be older. He's going to be towards the, you know, creeping up towards the end of his career. So how useful is he really? Is he a player that you protect over a Jalen Brown or a a Kelly Olenek or a Jordan Mickey? I think so. So, no, but you make a good point about that. So I, now I have to reconsider basically all of my choices. Um, but so, well, speaking of, because I'm looking at our roster right now, what do you what do you think is going to happen to Demetrius Jackson? Demetrius Jackson is um, Terry Rozier insurance. Um, yeah. yeah. And he, if we if we draft um, any of the, the the top guards, if we if we get a top three pick, we almost certainly will. Um, and we we book we book. <laughs> We we draft either uh, Ball or um, 
Markel Fultz, then I think one or both of them is gone in terms of consolidation for some developing teams, just to try to try to balance the roster a bit. Um, I think they're also um, insurance, both of them, um, in case we end up moving somebody like uh, Bradley or even even Isaiah Thomas, depending depending on the deal. I think it's just to give us maximum positional flexibility. Yeah. Well, speaking of expanding, um, what do we do about Yabuselli and Zizic next year? It seems like both of them think they're going to be playing in the NBA next season, but obviously, as of right now, we don't have the space for them. So, what do you what do you do if you're Danny Ainge? Do you trade two players or one player to make room for them for their impending arrival apparently or do you try to convince them to stay overseas for another for yet another year despite the fact that they're both playing extremely well well i think i think yabusele is really the only option i don't think i think we'll end up losing zizek we try to get him to wait so i think that that is the rationale yeah um in terms of I mean, if the rookie st- scale does go up 50% because of where he was drafted, Yabusele, he's just going to have to wait another year if, if that actually does end up happening. I don't think we have a clear clear, um, clear information as to whether or not it's actually going up 50% or not. But my understanding, um, there's, a, there's a good article out there uh, by, by um, Ryan Bernardoni, a.k.a. Danger Car, on uh, his Twitter handle. The, the talks about this and the fact that it's going to be a really big juggling act. Um, on one hand, they're really valuable if we, we take a big hit to our, our front court depth, which we might if we have a, a good trade coming up um, we don't, or if we don't bring back um, any of the front court players that are on, on short-term or at least non-guaranteed deals in, in the case of Zeller, um, but also Johnson and Jarebko. We would, we would be really, really thin in our rotation, and I, I don't know that they are – I think a lot of people overvalue what they're doing because the the level of competition, it's it's better than D-League, but it's not anywhere near the level of the NBA. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the, the opportunity to bring them over, um, I think I think Zizek is going to be okay because he can just get get boards. Um, I think Yabusele's game is going to take a little bit more time um, to get some polish to it. And I mean, that fits. So, I mean, there, there is a legitimate argument apart from cap concerns for him spend, spending more time um, rather than coming over here and being expected to do too much in a situation where there would be room for him and then burning him out. Because he needs the playing time. He really does. Um, and he's doing great things. So I'm not, I'm not knocking him to you, to you guys who are supporting him, but you know, I want to see him succeed. And I really think that at least in Yabuselli's case, because what's going to be expected of him to be more of a perimeter shooter, to be more mobile um, and play away from the basket more, I, I definitely think it's not going to hurt him and will probably help him if he stays overseas. Um, and it's going to have to be one or the other, not both. All right. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read you a stat line over the course of three games. All mm-hmm. right. And you're going to tell me who you think these stats belong to. All right. 33.3 points per game, 15.7 rebounds and 4.7 assists. You just guess who that may be. Now, I'm going to just use reverse psychology here. It's got to be Abu Sele because that sounds like a Zizek line based on what I've been reading. It's Yabuselli. 
how do you say no to that? I mean, those are crazy numbers. Sure, it's over the course of three games, but I mean, the rebounds alone, I mean, I don't know how that's that's extremely impressive. Sure, it's not, you know, he's not playing in the NBA and this isn't NBA level competition, but I mean, basically 16 boards and 33 points, that's that's pretty wild Um, and very efficient, obviously. So, I think next season they're going to have the Celtics are going to have a tough decision to make. Lots of them. Yeah, so we'll 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 see about that. Well, another tough decision is going to be whether or not we roll the dice on Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is out for the season. Um he's having surgery on his Achilles and this is the last year of his contract. Uh, with Sacramento. Um, yeah, he's out for the year. Um, obviously, he has to he has uh, to recover. Um, but I think that you roll the dice on a player like him. Um, you know, this year, he's averaging 18.7 points per game, um, 6.3 rebounds, and 2.7 assists. I think he would be an incredible asset to the to the Celtics. Well, you know, people do come back from from Achilles, and I'm, I'm going to assume that you mean um, not this offseason, but potentially for a future. You know, we wouldn't trade for him until he comes back. Yeah. Um, just because there would be no point in. I mean, I guess I guess I could see a scenario I, where we could trade for him in the offseason um, after whiffing uh, just about everybody to do. You know. At this point, I think we would have to be getting a pick for taking him. Yeah. But I mean, if we have dead salary for a season, yeah, I could see I could see that being a gamble, I and mean, we'd have an expiring contract that could be increasingly valued as the 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 effects of the uh, the new CBA and how it's designed to kind of kind of break up these super teams take comes into effect when people are starting to 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 need to clear some salary off their books. We might be able to parlay that into something useful. Um, I can see people rolling their eyes initially at the idea of trading for Rudy Gay. And I mean, I wouldn't do it for this year, but I could, I could definitely see the value in the future of doing something like that. Um, particularly, you know, I mean, like before, like a, a snapped Achilles was basically a death sentence for a career, but I mean, people are coming back from them now and, and being like solid, solid contributors. I mean, it happened to Kobe and you, I mean, he wasn't the same, but he was, he was still, you know, a starter level player, if not an all-star. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that, 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 you know, people need to pay more attention to in terms of, in terms of resting players, um, which I mean, really hits home because Avery Bradley is, is out with a strained Achilles right now yeah. um, for another week. And I know that people are really frustrated with the amount of, amount of injuries that we've had this season. It seems like somebody is almost always out. We can't go more than two or three games at a time without someone being, being out, um, and oftentimes for, for extensive rest, but particularly in this particular instance, I think it's the right move. Um, Bradley's game is exceedingly dependent on, on his ability to defend very aggressively and cut. Um, I don't think that, you know, that I, we, can, we, we wouldn't either get what's valuable enough from him if he's protecting himself as he should while he gets back to full strength or he really would be in danger of doing something like this to himself. And either way, I don't think that's a good idea. No, 100%. I'm a, I'm a big fan of players taking as much time as they need off to f- fully recover from whatever it is that's ailing them. I hate 
when players come back too soon and then they end up just aggravating injuries that put them out for an even longer uh, period of time. So Avery Bradley, let's just take your time coming back. I know the Celtics do miss his presence, but I'd rather have him out for a week or two than for two or three months. Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn Nets management, if you're listening, (laughs) Jeremy Lin takes his time coming back. We do not want him to hurt his hamstring any further. No, no, no. I think at this point in the at this point of the season, I think the Nets should just rest most of their players because we don't want to see any of them get hurt. Um, no, I mean, like honestly, from from they're not going to do much better at this point, and they have now two injury prone players. Um, why would you risk their long term trade value? You got both of them, and you're not going to get any better than probably. Maybe the third or fourth worst seed. You're not. You're not touching the playoffs. There's no chance. No, there's no chance. No, give your young guys run. With the they've they've put together a you know surprisingly competent roster under the new coach, um, and some of them could actually get some some value out of some increased playing time at the NBA level. Um, and you know, I mean, like I'm I'm completely biased in all the information here, but ah. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> it happens. Um, speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, total side note, I was at work today and uh, a Brooklyn Nets rep uh, sold me t- uh, a fan appreciation package. So listen to what this. Was for that, what was in it? So I got, for 50 bucks, I got uh, two tickets to a game, any game I want, wherever I want to sit. Um, then I got uh, two uh, buy two, get two free vouchers, and five buy one, get one free vouchers for well, 50 bucks. Quite a lot. Which uh, makes it makes me think that they're not, you know, selling too many tickets this year. I, w- I would imagine it's a problem. Yeah, it's a little problematic. But anyway, I think we've piled on on the, on the nets a little too much. Um, I, well, whatever. It's impossible. Impossible. <laughs> it, it's impossible. Uh, anyway, looking ahead, uh, we have a few games coming up this week for the Seas. Uh, we have matchups against Washington, uh, Houston, Orlando, and Milwaukee. Now, I I can see the Celtics going three and one, um, with the lone loss coming to either Houston or Milwaukee. Milwaukee is is a pretty dangerous team. Um. But, you know, Washington won't be an easy win, but I can see them pulling out a win. Um, John Wall is, he's a scary player, but I, even with Avery Bradley out, I think they'll, he he may still go off. He may be the leading scorer in the game, but it doesn't matter as long as nobody else shows up. Um, So I think that you can count that as a win. Uh, The Houston game, um, we lost to them not too long ago, um, but we'll see. There's been this narrative throughout the season, and the Celtics have always proven us right, that it seems like they can't beat a quality team. They beat up on so lesser teams. A quality team. Huh? You say that Houston's a quality team then. Uh, yeah, a Houston is a is a quality team for sure. I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But there's we're calling them a fringe contender. I think that that's probably accurate. 
but I mean you know they're 33 wins and 13 losses and you know if they were in the west I think I mean if they weren't in the west I think they would they would arguably be a favorite over Cleveland oh yeah 100 percent the east is arguably much weaker than the west I hate to sell Mike that guy it's it's something that a lot of people argue but you know in the west there are so many good teams you have the Spurs, you have the Warriors, you have Houston. Whereas in the East, you have the Cavs. Uh, maybe the Seas, depending on who you're talking to, and Toronto. Um, so the level of competition, it seems, is, is much higher. In the West, you have Russell Westbrook out there, um, who is playing out of his mind, but not enough to earn a starting spot in the All-Star game, which is pretty pretty wild um yeah it is. yeah i i think that houston is a is a pretty good team um I, I i feel comfortable saying that uh so we'll see it'll be a very tough matchup against them um if the seas can pull that went off i think maybe they can start to put to rest this this narrative that's been haunting them all season long but We'll I see. think they need to pull out a win in this game. I really do. I think yeah. it's going to be important for closing out the rest of the season. I think a win in Houston will be really big um, to that end. Um, but I think that, you know, whether they win or lose the game after Orlando is, has the potential to be a trap game. I mean, yeah. you know, Jody Meeks is still out. But I mean, they beat they beat the the team that we play after them, uh, Milwaukee. Um, so I mean, they they can beat good teams, teams that are playing as well as Boston is lately. I mean, Milwaukee is is on the fringes of making the playoffs right now if it ended today. But you know, they're a good team. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if if the C's go three and one with the one loss coming against Houston. Is it a successful week? Um, yeah, barely. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the that's what they should do. Um, for bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, you have you you should be beating the teams that you're supposed to beat. Um, you know, Washington, Orlando, and Milwaukee. If you just beat those three, but you don't beat the lone quality team, uh, I mean. What is it? What does it really say? Um, but we'll see. I, I think it's an important game. But you're you are right. The Orlando game has has all the makings of a trap game. So even if the Celtics do pull off a win in against Houston, um, if they lose the next night to Orlando, then uh, it's still a it's still a tough tough week. Let me let me interrupt real quick and just uh, say if any of you guys can hear that funky honking noise in the background, that's just some proof of where I am. That is the uh, the local tamale vendor making his way through my neighborhood. I was wondering what that was. I was like, is that a <laughs> ringtone or what is going on there? But <laughs> you were a brave soldier and kept right on going, which is admirable. But I felt like acknowledging it was probably the better move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So. What, what do you about say? Milwaukee? We talked about the Milwaukee game. That's how we're closing out the week. I see the Seas winning that game. Um, Milwaukee, like you said, is they're a pretty dangerous team with Giannis there. Um, he, it seems like he can sort of just do what he wants. 
Um, and that's scary against a team like Boston, who doesn't really have anybody to to guard him one on one. He's too long. He's too athletic. I don't know if we have. I mean, <laughs> I could see Smart being put against him and just getting all up into his body. But I mean, apart from that, yeah, I don't think we have. Yeah. A smart my my second suggestion would have been Avery Bradley, but obviously he isn't playing. Um, well, he but might, he might conceivably could be ready by then, considering it comes just about a week from from the announcement. Not quite like what is it five six days? Was it yeah. Saturday. I mean, if 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 he can suit up for that game, and I just don't know if I want him going up against Florida Garden. The Garden League, yeah. Yeah, his first game back. You know, that's that's a tough one. But I, yeah, I can't see Marcus Smart guarding him. I mean, Smart does seem to like guarding Kristaps Porzingis, and he has a similar body type. So if he can manage against Kristaps, I think I think he might be up for the ta- the challenge against Giannis Antetokounmpo. But we'll see. But I, I, I think that the Seas will, will pull that win off. So I, I see them going uh, three and one. Potential two and two if they go to sleep against Orlando. Yeah, I could see them dropping a game to Orlando. Um, I think if we go two and two, it's going to be the obvious Houston and Milwaukee. But I'm optimistic. I think that we are going to win the game against Houston. And I think that we are going to win the game against Milwaukee and Orlando. I think we're going to have a three-game losing streak and drop one to Washington. Oh, oh boy, that's 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 rough. I know. But, no, yeah, Washington is one of those teams that again you fall asleep on them. They can they can beat you. Well, they're serving, uh, man. They've they've uh, they're now in fifth place behind Atlanta. Yeah, they've been playing a lot better lately. They started off the season pretty poorly, but they're they're catching up now. Um but we'll see. Uh I'm staying as optimistic as possible, but I say 3 and 1, 2 and 2, you say 3 game losing streak. We'll see. I, I think 3 and 1 with a with a weird 3 game losing streak. <laughs> All right. Balanced optimism. <laughs> All right, well, guys, uh, be sure to check out the links on the top of our website, CelticsLife.com. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our web store, and you can even buy tickets to the Celtics Next Game um, on our site. Um, You can now find our podcast on iTunes, which is a pretty big deal, Uh, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, leave us any comments on the site, um, and we'll be sure to uh, listen to all of your feedback. So we want to thank you. This is our third podcast. Wow, time flies. Um, we want to thank everybody for listening to us, tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>